0: welcome back to episode 73 of chess journeys tales of adult improvement here on chess journeys we seek to highlight not only the glories of ratings gain but also the plateaus and perhaps below that the pits of despair hopefully that's not you uh if you want to support the show you can go to patreon chess journeys i want to thank jay Tuttle, jay garrison Dan rich Burgess, brandon hallside david Schreiber, and Lindsay newhall uh also i want to thank our sponsor chessable Pretty much if you want to do something, you can do it on chess You can do openings, strategy work, end games. Uh, I'm just about done with Judith Polgar's defense book. It's like 550 puzzles, most of which are pretty easy, but they're just getting me in a good defense mode. So I've been liking it a lot. Um, I've been streaming quite a bit on Dr. Skull underscore Tiny Grimes by quite a bit. Apparently, I mean once in like the last two weeks. But before that, I was streaming quite a bit and I streamed today. Uh, And you can see a lot of those VODs on YouTube if you're interested. A lot of going over Karpov's games. I will admit, I often do not understand his games. Every time I get tricked and I'm like, all right, he's going in for the attack. And he's like, no, 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 no. I was just opening up the king side and now I'm just going to win on the queen side. So just be ready for me to be stumped every time. If you want to appear on the show, you can fill out the Google form in the show notes. Uh, We all want to hear your story. But it is time now to bring in our guest of the week. We've got Cameron. She is an adult improver, a recent college grad, and she even runs a kid's chess club. I'm very curious to hear if this helps her chess or makes her not ever want to look at chess again, as I've heard from people. Cameron, how are you doing today and have you had a chance to play any chess yet today?
1: I'm doing great, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. Um, I have played some chess today. I managed to sneak in a couple of Blitz games during my lunch break at work. Uh, But that's about it. Nothing too serious.
0: Okay. And when you say Blitz, what is Blitz for you?
1: Uh, It depends on the phase I'm in. Right now I'm doing three minutes with no increment. Uh, Sometimes I find five minutes to be a little better, but it's fun to flag people. So.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. When you play 3-0, do you sort of like shift into a flagging mode where you're like, I'm just going to make aggressive moves, that make my opponent think and try to flag them or do you still play like regular chess and then shift like right at the end of the game
1: um it's definitely a different mindset than you know especially like a longer game or even like a over the board game it's completely different but uh it helps when i know my opening really well and it helps to like drill like new lines that i'm playing in an opening or things like that so it is a lot of like blitzing out the moves and then especially at the end there's like obviously tactics where you know you can sometimes just like sack a piece for check if the opponent's running super low on time like in a basically like in a bullet game where you're just kind of trying to check and run the clock out
0: yeah and so do you find those quite helpful for sort of drilling openings work
1: um to a certain point i would say i i think yeah there there is some value in blitz but it's definitely like one of my vices i would say and i i think a lot of people don't super see the like educational value in it because it is just like you know, as the name implies, blitzing out the moves. Um, but yeah, as, like you said, especially for openings, if I'm like learning something new or if I just like want to play around and try something out, um, it is good to just like drill those things a lot, which I found as somebody who's learned chess fairly recently, drilling is like super important and doing it a whole bunch of times and sometimes just getting it done really fast is really helpful.
0: Yeah, it, it's funny. I I'm always so torn on blitz. Like I feel like so many people consider it a vice I try to play five five just so that it feels more like I have time to actually play a chess game and it takes away yeah. the flagging element. Like I can't get in the habit of being like, yes, I flagged them. Uh, but I'm listening to Endgame, the biography of Bobby Fisher. He just played like so many blitz games in like a three year stretch. And it mm-hmm. seems to have really helped sort of like cement the studying he was doing just by getting that volume in. And I often wonder, should I just take like a week off work and go on like a week-long 3-1 Blitz bender where I try to get in like 800 games in a week or something? Will that magically make me better? I don't know.
1: Right. Yeah. And another thing too is that like I have a problem even in longer games of running low on time myself. And so mm-hmm. it also helps to just like kind of drill the idea and of like just make a move. It doesn't have to be like the perfect like theoretical move that the engine wants because it sees, you know, 500 moves into the future. Um, but just like make a solid move and just hold hold on to the game that has helped in like my longer games as well. Just make a move.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's, it's the one vice I don't have, it seems. I don't get into time trouble very much, so that's been no, good. That does really. not mean I make good moves, though, right? Like that's,
1: that's,
0: <laughs> that's the issue. Um, all right, well, let's start with What's your current life situation looking like? What either gives you time for chess or pulls you away from your chess? What is your life looking like?
1: Yeah, I actually have like a large amount of time to play chess, which I suppose is kind of a life decision, but um, I don't have any kids. I'm 23. I graduated uh, with my bachelor's back in April, I think. And hmm. I've just been working, basically my days are I work my full-time job. And then I do stuff with chess, like that's, and I have a social life sometimes. Uh, so yeah, the, the chess is, fits right in. It's, it's really helpful, especially now that I'm out of school, I don't have homework to do in the evening. So it can be mm. a lot of time je- dedicated specifically to doing chess stuff. And it just, not only for myself, but like also in the community in my city.
0: Nice, what city are you in?
1: Um, I'm in Bismarck, North Dakota.
0: Wow, so our chess burgeoning and, chess community there?
1: It's pretty tiny, I'll give you that. Yeah, okay. we're kind of middle of nowhere. Uh, it's it's pretty small, like I said, and we're pretty tight-knit. Um, I go to a club on Sundays. There's usually around, I don't know, maybe five to ten people there. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody kind of knows everybody. We all know each other's openings. We're all kind of familiar with like the time controls we like to play. And yeah. so, yeah, it, it's great to get to know people.
0: That's interesting. So do you play like a weekly tournament with that same crew every week?
1: Um, it, it's not a tournament necessarily. We, we do have monthly tournaments, which are, they're faster time controls, So it can be done in like an afternoon. Mm -hmm. So they're like game in 25 tournaments. Um, but yeah, on Sundays it's, or most of the Sundays, it's just, we go to this like half abandoned mall, uh, in the food court and it's, uh, yeah, just anybody can pair up with whoever they want. Uh, we'll just kind of switch around as games finish up and it's whatever time control people want. And it's, yeah, super casual, lots of talking during games and that sounds banter fun. and all that. So, yeah.
0: I feel like North Dakota trash talk is probably not the same as like uh, New York City <laughs> Park track trash talk.
1: No, it's absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I realize trash talk isn't even a great word for it. It's It's more of like a... <laughs> hey, you're resting your hand on my clock and that's why I keep running out of time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, do you then like, so so it feels to me like if you're playing the same people regularly, especially for tournaments like the once a month, do you find yourself feeling the need to have like a wider opening repertoire then so that people can't just prep for you? Or do you just kind of accept like, I'm sort of newer to chess and I can only learn so much um, so I just have the one repertoire and a, and you know whatever comes comes
1: yeah that's an interesting question it's funny because I I've been playing the London which is kind of a meme opening at this point but I've been playing that since basically I started playing chess um, mm-hmm. and there actually is like a lot of theory and I'm still like learning a lot of the lines and it's funny because like nobody at club ever plays into the lines that I study so I just keep playing it and I'm like eventually they'll fall for one of the traps that I've learned from Eric Rosen (laughs) but uh yeah I I am very like protective of my openings and once I decide on one I tend to stick with it I also play some that are not super common around here which I didn't really realize was a thing but like I play the French as black and Whenever I play it, people are like, "I never see this. Like nobody around here plays it." And so I'm like, "All right, I guess I'll just keep playing it." And you you can prep for me, but I don't think you're going to. (laughs) So yeah,
0: yeah, that's 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 how I face it. That's cool. So so you are able to still kind of be surprising, even with so few people. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I try to be.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's something I've wrestled with as well. It's like. I only have so much time to dedicate to chess and I try to minimize my opening work. And if I'm trying to, if I try to have like a broad repertoire, then that would mean basically all my chess time would have to go into that. So I'm I'm pretty much the same. I have some openings and I play them. And if you research me and you figure that out, well, congratulations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it helps when I play like more solid openings where it's like there's not it's it's not necessarily like something dubious where if, you know, you play the correct 10 moves of theory, you're going to be better, it's just it're yeah. we're, we're equal after 15 moves and so if if you know the whole theory then great, then we'll have an equal game for a while.
0: Yeah, we'll just play some chess then. It'll be fun. Yeah. Yep. Um okay, so this is this this should be fun. Uh my youngest child, she is 7 and she just yesterday finally made the top 100 list of girls seven or under in the United States. She's number oh, one. Awesome. Yeah, she's very <laughs> excited. And so I was like, I wonder what the best number I can find for myself is. So I'm like, I looked at Southern California and I'm 453 in just Southern California. So I'm curious, <laughs> have you looked at North Dakota? Like maybe you're like the fourth best player in all of North Dakota.
1: <laughs> um, I I think a while back I looked, but I think at that point I still had a provisional rating, so it didn't even put me on any kind of list. Um, yeah. So I haven't looked in a while, but I'm pretty sure I'm one of, if not the top female players in North Dakota, which it helps, there's not a ton of us, uh, so there's not a huge number of people to compete with. Uh, but, yeah, I don't I don't know what rank I am, honestly.
0: Okay, Just It's interesting because I... a
1: lot of people in my area are like, criminally underrated it's like mm. you, we're all hovering around like the 1300 uscf area when a lot of us online are much closer to like you know 15 16 1800 um so yeah as, as far as gaining rating points it it, it is honestly kind of harder when you're playing the same people you know week after week month after month in these tournaments
0: yeah you're all getting better together but you're all sharing the same rating points pool so exactly it's like, you, We're all just kind to, of
1: tossing them around <laughs>
0: <laughs> you have to invite some people in and be like come on donate your points
1: yeah exactly <laughs>
0: come to the most underrated tournament in the country you'll love it yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's
0: cool. um so what is your current rating let's just go for usCF and chess.com if that's where you play just so we get an idea uh what your what your skill level is like
1: yeah well my usCF I think is still quite underrated it's a I think I broke like 1,300 at my last tournament, but I've been gaining like 50 to 100 rating points each tournament, uh, mm-hmm. so it's it's climbing pretty quickly. Online on chess.com, I measure it in rapid because that's where I take it the most seriously, um, mm-hmm. and that I'm around 1,800, 1,850. I peaked at 1,900 and then oh, dropped I'm... about 150 points over the next three days, and I've been trying to get <laughs> back ever since, so that's yeah. where I'm at. <laughs>
0: That's yeah. That 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 is definitely underrated. I will say this, I find it it can be frustrating to be underrated, but boy, it's so much fun because you go play a tournament, and you're like, yeah, I gained another hundred points.
1: Exactly. Uh, so that part's cool. Yeah, I had a recent tournament where I actually beat the top seeded player who was rated 1900 USCF. At it was round one, board one. I was playing on the dgt we were the last game to finish we both had like under two minutes on the clock everybody's gathered around Mm -hmm. and it had been an equal game throughout like we were pretty evenly matched and then he had just ended up kind of blundering in the end game and time pressure and yeah i got to take a really nice win
0: nice yeah and and i'm sure for him, if he doesn't know you that well, it's kind of like, oh, my goodness, I lost this person 600 points below me. And you're like, well, actually, we're pretty close if you look at my other <laughs> ratings.
1: Yeah, he was a great sport about it. And then, of course, I proceeded to lose the next two rounds to people who are around 1300 who are actually 1800 on chess.com. So, you know, yeah. you, you win some, you lose some. And we're all just it talking sounds
0: to, to me. There's a pretty obvious answer here, which is all of you take a trip to a big tournament with a huge prize pool and you all come away wealthy it'll be great yeah
1: that would be great i i really think we should plan that <laughs>
0: yeah I, I i suggest the vegas tournament right after christmas uh i think that i think that's that's what you do and then you have fun in vegas you play a great tournament i'm just i just putting it out there it's a possibility
1: is that the one where there's like a lot of kids i've heard there's a lot of kids at those tournaments
0: i found the vegas one to not have a lot of kids
1: Oh, okay, um, maybe I'm I'll surprise.
0: Well, that one. let me okay. rephrase that. There are always a lot of kids.
1: <laughs> yes, yes.
0: <laughs> what I mean is, I find the Vegas tournaments to only be like forty percent kids, right? Uh, you know, so I've been to tournaments that's like eighty-five percent kids.
1: Yeah, I I know especially in those bigger ones, it's like they're just they're just there to hunt down points essentially.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Very
1: on adults. But I think it'll
0: be you. I think you're going to be the point hunter. So.
1: Yeah. Well, that would be great.
0: (laughs) All right. Let's get to your background. I'm curious. When did you start chess? Did you have uh, some childhood origin story where you learned the pieces and put it away for a while? Or are you just new recently for the first time ever?
1: Yeah, I never learned how the pieces moved as a kid. Hmm. I am one of those many that jumped on the bandwagon after seeing the Queen's Gambit. Um, I mean, but this story could be told by like a million people, I'm sure, but I saw the like (laughs) badass, awesome woman on the screen, like kicking a bunch of butts and I was really drawn to the story. And then I was like, I just really want to know like what's going on on the board. Mm -hmm. And I think it's written in a way and like produced in a way that you don't necessarily need to know that, but I was just really intrigued. Uh, so yeah, I I taught myself how to play in early 2021. I watched the Mm -hmm. show kind of late, but, uh, yeah, I, played some bots online. Once I learned how all the pieces moved, I remember I had to like Google, like, how do you capture a piece in chess? Like, <laughs> wow. because, you know, in, in like checkers, yeah. you like jump the piece over. So I was like, what does that even right. mean? <laughs> so yeah, super basic stuff. I just had absolutely no idea. Um, And I played my first online game against a real person uh, in April of 2021. And mm-hmm. so my Rating sort of started out around 700 there. It was like probably a month or two after I first picked it up.
0: I mean, that's a pretty high first rating to stabilize that when you had to look up how do you capture a piece. So that's very <laughs> yeah, impressive. Yeah,
1: it, it definitely, it has taken over my life clearly. But I mean, even back then it was <laughs> yeah. definitely kind of an obsession. And so I, I did spend a lot of time on it and I was really scared to play against a real person. And so mm-hmm. it was a lot of like playing the bots and looking up openings and watching a bunch of videos. And um, yeah, a lot of preparation before I managed to actually play that first game, which I, I did lose uh, to be fair, but
0: yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I, I know there's a huge age gap, but I think this is true for a lot of people. Like for my, my daughter, that it was a similar thing where she was kind of like, I'm happy to play against bots all day. And I was like, just mm-hmm. play, and she was on chess kid, and I was like, "You're gonna play against another little kid. It's fine if you win or lose." And she's like, "No, no, no, no. I only want to play bots." And I was like,
1: "What? Mm-hmm. Okay." Yeah, there is oh. something much more like personal when you know you're playing like an actual human being. Yeah,
0: I think so. I think that was part of it. Like she could imagine like another little kid being there and like mocking her because that's right, what she yeah. Would do. When she would play the bots, she'd be like, "What is wrong with you? That's the worst <laughs> move I've ever seen." I'm like exactly. Wow. Okay. I don't know if we need to (laughs) mock the bots. Um, do you have a scene from the Queen's Gambit that you remember thinking like, oh, that's the scene, like that really drew me in, or was it more of the story as a whole?
1: Um, I know kind of just the episode with like her very first tournament where she entered and she's Mm -hmm. she and the other single woman at the tournament are placed at like the lowest table and then some guy comes up and like fills his coffee and they you see yeah. it's like oh this is the coffee table right. and then by the end of the episode she's like you know surrounded by the huge crowd and there's everybody's watching and then she wins and it's like super i think that just that whole arc of that episode was like really inspiring to me and i was like yeah that that's it that's what i want to do
0: that's awesome that that's the same for me i i had uh given up chess for about 18 years and that was the episode where, where i was like wait wow i remember those tournaments were so fun I mean, mm-hmm. I never got to have that arc where i where I actually won the tournament. but still, yeah, that that was the episode for me that that made me think maybe I should come back and play. Um, okay. well, let's start with your journey because it sounds like it's been not that long of a journey, but a, a quite productive one. so when you when you started playing, what what did those first, I don't know, like seven hundred to a thousand look like? What were you doing to to try to get better? or were you even? trying to get better are we just playing and having fun
1: yeah it really was a lot of like playing and having fun I started watching a lot of like chess content on YouTube and then I would like you know try out the random Gotham chess openings and my games and yeah I wasn't super concerned about ratings I I didn't even understand really what like ratings meant you know in comparison with you know the rest of the chess community or with other people like I, I didn't know what was good or what was like a bad rating if that makes sense and mm-hmm. so yeah I, I was really just playing for fun at that point I didn't really have any like high expectations of getting hugely better and I, I remember thinking around the time I hit a thousand I was like I think if I peak around like 12 1300 that's probably like where I would like naturally peak and I'd be happy with that um,
0: yeah. so
1: I didn't play too much honestly like I was looking back at my stats today and to prepare for this interview and I was like wow I really didn't play that many games in those first couple of months online I there there would be like several days or even weeks between games I would play and then I, I'd maybe sit down one day and play like three or four but so my my writing was kind of a slow start and then yeah. once I hit the 1000 range I I was also really busy with school uh, mm-hmm. around that time and so I you know, I was a double major. I was taking overload of classes in my last couple of semesters. So I, the, the time was a huge barrier for me and like actually studying. And uh, it was, it was definitely like a break for me. And so it wasn't something I wanted to study more when I already had so much studying to do for school.
0: That makes sense. In those, in those days where you would like play and maybe take a week off, were you able to find anyone in person for like casual games or was it, or was all of your chess just sort of online on those opportunities
1: yeah it was entirely online i didn't have any friends who played there was nothing really at my college uh or like nobody in my family played so yeah it was entirely online and i i told my friends like hey do you like know how to play chess and they'd be like i mean i know how the pieces move <laughs> i was like do you want to learn a little more than that so we can like play a game <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a very like solitary experience, especially that for, for most of 2021, it was entirely online. And I, I think if, what eventually did get me going to club was like, I just need a community and like people to talk with because it's yeah. really hard to do this thing all by myself.
0: Yeah, it's lonely. I, I'm really happy to hear that you just weren't even worried about ratings for a while. I think that's so cool. I think people at such an early period, get so obsessed with ring So it sounds like you didn't have this dream of like, I pick up chess and within a week, you're like, I'm going to be a grandmaster.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I was kind of put in my place early when I first got my right. Like, I, I kind of generally knew that like, okay, grandmasters are like in the 2000 and up range. And I was like, okay, I'm 700. That's a long ways away. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, maybe maybe that's a little more time than I'm willing to invest. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I didn't necessarily have all these dreams. I also was watching like the Pog Champs, like tournaments, and mm. like a lot of those people, I was like, they like they seemed really good, and they were you know like a thousand or twelve hundred at the highest, and I was like, I bet I could get up there. That'd be really good. And so yeah. you know, th- those were kind of my goals at that point. Was just the content creators that were playing chess.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And and 12, 1,300 is quite good, right? It's so funny. Oh, for sure. How ratings work like that? Like I. At my school, I stumbled across a crew of middle schoolers all on their phones playing chess.com in the library. And I was just like, oh, hey, you guys chess players? And they're like, yeah, are you? I was like, yeah. I'm like, are you any good? And I was like, ah, not that good. And I'm like, what's your rating? And I was like, ah, about 1700. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, you're so good.
1: Right. Like, yeah, well, it's always it's like wrong. the next like 400 <laughs> points higher that is like, just wow, like star eyes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no exactly. Matter where you are. And I was like, well, I consider myself to be quite bad, so this is a very (laughs) relative experience we're having here. Definitely. Okay. So it sounds like you got to a 1,000 by kind of playing sporadically, having fun with it, watching some videos. I heard Gotham Chess in there. Do we have Rosen in there as well?
1: Yeah, Rosen, Naroditsky. I like to watch the Botez Sisters, which honestly was their series where they were like traveling around and... You know, playing random people at parks around the world was like really inspiring for me. And I was like, I really want to go do that and like play somebody in person. Like that looks
0: so fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. I I like the Bow Test Sisters as well. My daughter's favorite is the Bow Test Sisters, and it's specifically the one where they had the challenge of whoever lost had to run a mile in a pickle suit. Oh, oh my yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've seen that one several times.
1: Of course. Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um okay so we get to about a thousand uh you said you were in school at this point so you weren't able to to go as serious as you wanted to but did you start um getting a little more serious about figuring out like how I want to get better or even deciding like now is when I want to get better or are we still kind of like taking it easy
1: yeah I think there was I don't remember exactly where the shift was where I was like okay I really want to be like somebody who's improving um my writing just kind of consistently kept going up and I was like, all right, we'll just kind of see how long this lasts. Um, I don't remember if there was like a plateau or anything around that time. I think I hit like a a 1,000 and then 1,100 was not long after and 1,200 also came pretty quickly after uh, what I actually was playing. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so it it was, yeah, like I said, just a lot of like watching the videos. Um, I think opening studies became helpful around that time too, which I know people have mixed opinions on whether like you should teach beginning intermediate players, like opening theory, you know, past like three moves essentially. But I found it really helpful just to like have a plan to start off because otherwise you're just looking at an empty board and you're like, okay, how do I start? Like I I know opening like basics, like, okay, control the center, but like, what does that even mean? And so to have like an actual plan of like, okay, I'm going to start with the queen's pawn. And then I'm gonna get my bishop out and then you know move on from there and Mm -hmm. kind of not necessarily have like a huge amount of theory to memorize but just sort of have a plan in the beginning helped out a lot um especially when I did use a lot of time uh just in general I run low on the clock often still um so that helped at least in the beginning to get me like okay a little bit quicker at least to start off the game
0: (laughs) yeah that makes sense and when you say learning openings do you mean memorizing variation trees or do you mean more just kind of like I put on my queen's pawn I put my bishop on this square then I develop the knight and castle and then I go from there
1: yeah I learned a lot of like setup based openings like I said the London was really nice right from the beginning because for the most part until you get to kind of higher levels like it doesn't super matter what black does because you basically just play the same like you know five six opening moves and you'll be yeah. totally fine Uh, so yeah I I did some with like king's pawn openings you know trying out tricks like the fried liver and things Mm -hmm. like that but um yeah just trying to play solid things that where I didn't really have to think about what my opponent was going to do I just had my setup worried about my half of the board and then further in the middle game I could kind of look at where the other side had put their pieces
0: that makes sense. not a great
1: strat at this point in my life but for a while it
0: worked yeah I think that's a really good strategy I know I know this is going to sound wild but I used to kind of play the Nidorf as a system opening, like oh yeah, it's super sharp. But still, it was like the same general setup every time, um, and and it wasn't until I hit like 15, 1600 where I was like, oh wow, I really have to know like precisely all these variations. And that's when I said maybe the Nidorf isn't for me. <laughs> um, but yeah. I think, I think that systemy approach works really well. Of just like now you have a plan, right? Like you said, it's not just I don't know what I'm gonna do, like. Like my daughter plays the Italian game and she has no idea how to play the Italian game. Right. But right. she knows, like, I'm putting my, my pawn here, my knight here, my Bishop here, and then I'm castling. And then I just play chess. Um, and I, and I agree a lot that I think, I think the, I think the idea of not learning any openings doesn't work that great. I think having some idea of where you're going can be really helpful.
1: Yeah, it also helps just with like the confidence going into the game because it's like, okay, I have a plan. I know what I'm doing on the board, at least for a couple of moves. So that was that was helpful for me as well.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Okay, so you did quite a bit of opening work and just like played and watched videos and just were, were naturally skilled enough that you just kept grabbing 100 points. All the listeners right now are like, Cameron I can't tell if you're my hero or if I hate you I wish <laughs> yeah, I had I'm i so you sorry
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so that's great when did you finally hit a plateau where you had to kind of be like "Ooh, I need to actually like study now or or fill some gaps when, when did that first plateau um, hit
1: I think it was around it was like 12 or 1300 uh where I did finally plateau I I guess there was like a plateau around like 900 to 1000 too but that was also just solved by like continually playing and watching videos and learning like basic tactics and things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, though. and then I, around the time I was 1300 online is when I s- decided like, okay, I want to go and find a community where I can play with people over mm-hmm. the board. Uh, I want to get a little bit more serious about this and like, you know, actually have people to talk to about chess. Uh, so yeah, around that time I went to the local club And I got to play a game against the, well, he actually ended up winning state that year, but former state champion, his name's Todd Wolf. He's known in our state as the chess guy. Uh, And he travels around (laughs) and uh, runs tournaments and does workshops for kids and does a lot of private lessons. And so he's he's Hmm. like, he's the guy in North Dakota. And so I just happened to get a game with him and we chatted a little bit after after I lost the game uh, and he kind of asked about like, you know, where where I randomly, why I randomly just showed up and I yeah. started going to club every week around that time. And so, yeah, playing against real people also kind of encouraged me once I did hit that like 1300 rating plateau uh, that I was like, okay, I want to get better so I can beat these people in real life too.
0: <laughs> That's such a great story. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. You played against a really good player and they had a wonderful attitude, right? It's like this thing I hear on the show is like half of people who go to a club and have these wonderful experiences and keep coming back. And then the other half are like, I went to this club. I got beat by this person. They were an arrogant jerk to me. And then I never wanted to go back. And so anyone listening, be nice to the people that come to your club. <laughs> that is how your club gets bigger. Yeah, um, exactly. That's awesome that's- to hear
1: you don't want to turn people away from chess. I think that's such a huge thing is like, you know, you you show up to a club and people, you know, even just like ignore you after the game or just like nobody talks to you. I think that can be a huge turnoff too. So it it was really nice that Todd was super inviting and welcoming. And I really pulled me into the community right away.
0: That's awesome. He sounds like a great ambassador for your state. I got to know how good is the best player in the state of North Dakota?
1: I actually don't know who the top player is right now he so todd won our state championship last april his uscf is around i think like 1800 but he's also very underrated so i yeah. it's hard to even say honestly um but yeah I, th- I think we have at least a couple of experts in the state but we don't have any like ims or grandmasters or anything
0: okay. same with california yeah, yeah. <laughs> i looked at the list there's only like 15 grandmasters.
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, hmm.
0: i'm definitely gonna have to move to another state if i want to be the top 10 uh in chess in my state un- unfortunately oh yeah um okay well that's pretty cool so you go to the club and are, do you start going every week like right away or is it kind of like a slow build
1: yeah it pretty much was right away i i really dislike the atmosphere of like being able to play against real people, it was super nerve-wracking for me. And it's also just like a completely different experience. Like if anybody listening has never played over the board or like gone to a tournament or anything like and only played online, which is how I played for almost an entire year, mm-hmm. uh it just the even just the 3D aspect of the board like completely messes up your brain. Like <laughs> I I was blundering pieces left and right. And I still to this day, I'm like, I, I think I play like 200 points worse than I do online when I'm playing over the board, just because my board vision is just like not the same as how I learned. Yeah. Um, so it, Yeah. It was a weird experience, but I was like, I think this is going to be really good for my chess. And it's also like something that I'm super interested in and I, I want to keep going back and get more involved. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, I did start going weekly. And then shortly after that, uh, we started doing these monthly tournaments. And so I, a uscf membership and started playing these rated tournaments and everything just kind of spiraled from there (laughs) as far as my involvement in the community
0: did you do anything to prep for that first over the board experience like did you buy did you even own a a physical board i guess let's start there
1: (laughs) i didn't yeah i showed up and i was i was mooching off of other people's boards uh So I I can't remember when I actually ended up buying my first board. I think it was around the time of that first tournament because Mm. of course I'm like frantically Googling, like help me prepare for my first over the board (laughs) tournament because I I, had no idea. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm sure it's not like in the Queens gambit. It it kind of is, but kind of not these days. Um, but yeah, luckily I didn't necessarily need my own board or timer, uh, Todd runs all these tournaments and so he's able to provide them but it was, it was nice to have one there and then after that I was able to bring my own board and also practice with cool. it at home but yeah all as far right. as preparation it's like looking up etiquette online I, I think that was like the biggest concern of um, mine was like okay how does the whole handshake thing work and like how do the clocks work I've never used clock before and things like that Um, like what do you do when your game is done how do you talk to your opponent. Like what, what is the etiquette here? Yeah. Um, I, that was a huge concern. And so I was, I was watching a bunch of videos on that. Uh, and yeah, other than that, I, I think I probably just like watched some opening videos. I, again, I was around like 1300 at that point. So I was like, oh, I'll just try it out. I'm not super concerned about like yeah. doing super well. Cause it, it's just the same people that are going to be at the club anyway. So.
0: Yeah. Etiquette can be so challenging too. Right. I, I recently, uh, my last tournament game, I was playing against a young kid. I don't I don't know age. I'm going to say between 12 and 14. And I was winning, at least in my mind, the computer agreed later. And he offered me a draw. And I was really deep into thinking about a move. And I think I said no in a firmer way than I intended.
1: Oh. And then, so
0: then he was like worried And after the game. He was apologizing. I was like, no, 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 it's fine. You offer a draw whenever you want. As long mm-hmm. as he's like, you're doing it over and over. You did nothing wrong. It just kind of startled me. And he was like, Okay, I'm sorry though. And I was like, No, 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 don't, don't worry. <laughs> but it was it's kind of it's kind of funny how etiquette works. So so let's give you this chance then. You have this platform. How would you suggest people prepare for their first tournament?
1: Oh goodness. Yeah, I think there are some like I did find some good resources that just laid out like super basic etiquette out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't talk to your opponent during the game, often you won't. Well, I guess in North Dakota, you do talk to them before the game because we're North Dakota nice. Uh so okay. <laughs> but yeah, mm-hmm. so it it is a generally pretty quiet experience. Uh the draw for thing is also kind of weird. Um also I don't know if this is like different in like larger cities, but uh or even just like in different communities, but the way you resign I was also concerned about because I was like, Do you really like tip your king over? Like <laughs> And yeah. so, some people do some people don't some people just like say okay i resign which is what i did for a while and then i started doing the king tipping thing because it's more fun mm. uh and yeah i i would say if you're concerned about etiquette just look it up it's it's not too complicated and don't be too worried about it just go and you're you're just playing a game
0: yeah i still struggle with accepting resignations because quite yeah. often opponents are clearly lost and they just put their hand out and I don't know, it feels jerky, but I'm always like, are you resigning? I just, yeah, I don't want yeah. it to be like, <laughs> I put my hand out, I shake it, we pack up and they're like, no, no, that was a draw offer. And have
1: right, you, yeah.
0: <laughs> so I don't know. Have you had any weird experiences like that? I actually haven't. I'm just paranoid.
1: Yeah, well, the only, one of my saddest memories at a tournament is I was up against one of the higher rated players. Uh, We were, I was running low on time in every single game in my tournament, which is a common theme for me, as I've mentioned several times already. Uh, but I was I was up, and I ended up sacrificing a bishop for what I thought was a mating net. It turned out not to be a mating net, and so mm. he, he ended up trading down. He had, like, 15 minutes on the clock. I had, like, 30 seconds. And so I'm trying to defend what turned out to be a drawn position with my two rooks versus his, like, minor pieces and pawns that were marching forward. Mm. And... I offered a draw because I was like, we can just shuffle forever, and yeah. he was like, because he he thought I when I said draw, in a questioning tone, he thought that he, I meant that it was like a threefold, mm. um and he he was like, wait, was it? And like looking around at the bystanders, and I was like, oh no, I was just offering one, and he's like, oh, uh, no, <laughs> and so he played it out, and I ended up blundering one of the rooks, and I lost mm. the game. So yeah. i was so sad, but yeah, that that was the one weird like it, not really etiquette thing, but sad experience.
0: Yeah. And it can be tough. Like communi- communication in an event where you're not supposed to talk to each other can be yeah. challenging.
1: I know it, it was, that, that was probably the, the weirdest thing that's ever happened, but
0: yeah. Yeah. What do you think about like um, prepping for the tournament? Would you suggest like using a 3d board to do puzzles or anything or, or bringing food or anything like that?
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, I, it, I think prepping using the 3d board is like very important, especially if you're only playing online. Um, I, after that, after I first started going to the club and I played my tournament and finally built my board, um, I started playing, like I I would set up a bot on the computer to play against, but then I would just like make the moves on the board just to like practice viewing it that way. Um, so I think that was really helpful just to like shift the vision downwards instead of like flat on the screen honestly that's like a huge huge part of it and so if if you can be comfortable playing on an actual board that, that's a huge step in the right direction
0: okay yeah I, I agree before all my tournaments i do a lot of uh um like calculation work on the board like set up the position and and do my mm. calculation there <laughs> and that's that's someone who's played a lot on the board i still struggle with that right just constantly making that transition back and forth from 2d to 3d can be a lot at times yeah. um So this phase, were you just getting a lot better by spending a lot of time around other chess players and playing every week and be dedicated? Or did that experience of going to chess clubs sort of like inspire you then to be more serious about your own work outside of the club?
1: Yeah, I I think the latter, definitely. I started playing around with more of like the chess.com features with like puzzles and things like that. as before I wasn't like super concerned. I was like, Oh, I know what tactics are. And then I started doing like puzzle rush and I was like, okay, I do not know what tactics are. (laughs) And so (laughs) practicing those puzzles has been absolutely crucial that after Mm. a particularly bad uh, tournament, I finally cracked and bought myself a chess.com membership so I could have infinite puzzle rush. Mm. And so since then I've been doing like just the three minute puzzle rush every single day, like many, many times, because Mm. especially as somebody who learned chess later in life, like, I don't have those things like intuitive to me, just like the super basic patterns, like, you know, the weird checkmate they give you over and over again, like that was not intuitive to me at all. Mm -hmm. And so to see it like a hundred of hundreds of times a day over and over again, and like be able to find that in many different positions has been like huge in my improvement for sure. Mm -hmm. And being able to do it fast because, you know, I, there are like middle school kids who will show up to these tournaments who are like around my writing or, or better And, you know, they're beating me and they're way faster than me too, just because they're seeing the very simple tactics that I'm missing. Uh, So I think once, yeah, once I started playing over the board, I started realizing like, okay, I need to see tactics faster and tactics like more clearly. And in that like 3d environment also, Um, it was also around that time where I started doing some coaching. So Todd that I mentioned earlier, uh, he's a private coach and, with all his like work in schools around the state, he um, asked me after a couple months of me coming to the club, if I'd be willing to like, basically be like a substitute coach for him on the weeks where he couldn't make his individual lessons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so since then I've picked up every couple weeks, just, you know, one or two kids or a family uh, just to help help out with their individual coaching. And so he gave me a tactics book to work on with them and in the process, of course, I was like reading through the tactics book myself and just like really solidifying those like super basic concepts that you should le- like know and learn before you're like a thousand rated. Yeah. Um, some of like some of them were were uh, like pretty obvious, but like others I, I was still like really struggling with. And so yeah, really going back to those basics really helped like solidify my rating and and my actual skill level for sure. And like brought my floor up, I think was was the big thing.
0: Yeah, that's so fascinating. So are you really saying? That you got to like twelve hundred chess.com rapid without doing puzzle work?
1: <laughs> I think I'd done a little bit of the puzzles before, um, but especially like when you're when you don't have infinite ones. I, I know like Chess has infinite ones. Oh, I'm pretty okay. sure, but like I I was mostly working on Chess.com, and so I I had my one puzzle rush a day, so I did survival mode, and so I just would see how far I could get, and I was like, okay, that's good enough puzzles for one day. <laughs> Gotcha. So that that's about the extent of the puzzles I was doing.
0: <clears throat> wow. That's fascinating. Cause uh, you know, most, most, a lot of people's stories is like, you know, I did a lot of puzzles and a lot of high level players will say like, just work on tactics. So that's cool to hear that. It sounds like you uh, took a different road and that you did some tactics, but didn't make that a focus until you got to a certain level.
1: Yeah. And I, I it definitely lost me games, like not mm-hmm. seeing basic like forks or, you know, even skewers not seeing a skewer coming or things like that or pins um and like seeing how that could affect the position um like obviously would lose me game lose me games but i think i think of rating as like you know you've, you've got your ceiling and then you've got your floor and i think my ceiling and my floor were like really far apart because like i didn't have a huge like tactical basis and so once i started doing that like it started to come up a little bit and then as my ceiling raised then the floor would raise with it
0: yeah, that's really fascinating. I imagine that takes away some of those losses to people who are well below you that were mm-hmm. like shocking you with a tactic out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: That's interesting. What's the tactics book you were working on with these students?
1: Um, it was the uh everyone's first chess workbook.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: Peter Giannotto's one. Yeah, that's, that's I, it's a, a great super great book. Yeah, I for especially like beginner even intermediate levels if if you're not super well up on tactics it's really great to go through
0: yeah my seven-year-old is working her way through that and we do it together so it's been it's Mm -hmm. been fun for me like so she'll get tripped up on some and i i've tried to figure out like the perfect hint to give her that doesn't give it to her which kind (laughs) of lets her go you know what the hint usually is you realize you're supposed to be black here right that's usually been
1: exactly it. oh my gosh, wait, i find that what? so much with my students too <laughs> you know or they'll like point out the the piece and like wait this queen and it's like no that that's that's the opponent's queen what what are you talking about <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's really fun working with little kids I, I i think we had a similar trajectory there when i was about maybe 1100 uscf i got a job working with like k through five kids in chess and it was really fun and i had a similar experience where just like having people I had to explain the basics to in a coherent way helped me better understand them, right? Like explaining how a pin works is way different than just kind of like having a loose idea of how it works.
1: Yes, definitely. I remember around that time where I had started doing some more of the coaching and working with kids. It was like, I could definitely, I started seeing those tactics more in my games. And so I was able to like implement them and like also see them coming. Um, So that, yeah, the teaching was a huge part of like my in my overall improvement around that time for sure
0: nice so for you it was almost like part of your chess improvement regimen is like doing the coaching
1: yeah definitely it, not not even necessarily like that that's not how I was thinking of it but like mm-hmm. looking back that was definitely like a huge factor in it
0: that's cool have you done the checkmate patterns manual on chessable yet by any chance
1: I have not. No, mm. I've done a couple of courses, mostly for openings, but I, I haven't had a chance to delve into any of the other ones.
0: I recommend it. It's really cheap. And it's it's a, one of those great floor helping uh, courses where it's just like, it shows you like, it's like 25 different checkmate patterns. And then it mm. puts it, they basically get harder and harder within each of the groupings. I did it for months and it was like, cause like, what I realized is like I could find a lot of these patterns, but I didn't just know the pattern, right? right. And so it, it did really help of being like, oh, I think this is this pattern that I've seen. I don't, still don't know the names of them, but I'm, I'm not worrying about that. I'm just just trying to yeah, stick yeah. the pattern in my brain.
1: <laughs> yeah, you just need the visual.
0: <laughs> okay, so where are you in your journey? Uh, what, what part of your journey are we talking about? Are you at like 1300chess.com, 1400chess.com? Where are we as we're sort of going through your, in person chest working with little kids where where did that get you to
1: yeah i think i i was slowly climbing over the first couple of months of 2022 uh to like i i hit let's see sorry i wrote these down i don't have them memorized but i like wanted to have a timeline um <laughs> i got to so 1300 was in january and then i had a slow uh, kind of plateau and then in April I hit 1400 and then very soon after that was 1500 in May uh, mm. that was around the time where I started like taking the tactics a lot more seriously okay. I started like actually because before that like my daily chess like training regimen if you could even call it that was literally just playing games mm. um, and like maybe doing a puzzle rush and watching a video or something like that or like going through mm. some opening lines Um, okay. so it it wasn't very like expansive and so around that time I was like okay I really need to focus on tactics and also end games because that's where I'm kind of losing my games especially in the over the board tournaments uh, yeah. so that's I think around 1500 is where that really picked up but then of course I plateaued after hitting 1500 for a couple of months okay um, so the the training was also a part of trying to help me break out of that
0: yeah all right let's talk about two things real quick so the first one is when you were playing your games were you actually like looking at them and examining them or were you just playing a volume of games?
1: Um, I was looking at them. I maybe not as extensively as a coach would have wanted me to, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I was definitely like seeing where my uh like mistakes were and everything and like trying to make note of like where I was making the most mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I would always get so mad at myself because I'm such like a, openings person if like i'd lose in the opening and so especially if like i made a mistake in the first like 10 15 moves i'd be like okay this is not gonna happen again and so then i would go and like review that particular line or you know see what i should have done differently see what the plan should have been um yeah and then end games also started to become a problem for me around that time because again i i never had any like formal coaching like trying to get me into those super basic like king and pawn end games i i wasn't really doing any of that So I I started to learn those around that time too.
0: Yeah. And, and it's funny because before that rating, like of like 1400, you just don't even hit that many end games, right? It's like your end games are you're up a piece and you're like, I'm pretty sure I can win this one.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then I start getting into like super complex. Mm -hmm. Like it's just a bunch of pawns and it's like, I, I don't know. I'll just push a pawn and that, that doesn't always work. Like you, you gotta know about breakthroughs. You gotta know all this stuff. And so um Mm -hmm. yeah again watching lots of videos was helpful um Mm -hmm. this is more recent but uh daniel neriditski recently has been doing the his like pawn endgame game series and it's been super great i've been really enjoying it even like at the level i'm at right now i i wish i'd had that even like a couple hundred rating points ago
0: (laughs) yeah he's he's such a masterful teacher
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah um have you read any Endgame books, or is it mostly Naroditsky? Like, do you have Silman's kind of like Endgame course yet?
1: Um, I don't have that one. I have been working through the 100 Endgames you must you must know book. Mm. Um, I'm probably I I can't remember where I when I got that. It's been a couple months that I've been just slowly and surely working through it. Okay. Um, but it is really interesting because like even at my level, like I learned in that book that like it's, if it's a rook and a knight, it's most likely a draw. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know that before. So like super basic things like that makes me like way more confident going into games that like, okay, I, I, I know how to get down to a drawn position if I need to, or like, I know how to push for the win if I need to. And like the, cause end games are solved. And so yeah, yeah n- knowing those and memorizing those basic patterns has been also super helpful.
0: That's cool. Have you found hundred end games you must know to be hard?
1: Um, like I said, I'm only like about halfway through, I take it like one and mm-hmm. game, like one chapter at a time yeah, for the most part. And so I'll, I'll do like one a day. And when I like the first couple, I was like, okay, I, I kind of get this. So I went through a couple like pretty quickly in the first couple mm-hmm. of days, but, um, mm-hmm. I, I think it certainly gets harder as you go through, but I'd, I'd say it's a good, like intermediate book.
0: Cool. Yeah. I, I found that to be when I was like 1500 ish that I, it was it was a lot harder than I expected and a lot more specific than I expected. Um, yeah,
1: there so are I, definitely I, ones where I'm like, I don't think I'm actually gonna memorize this right now, but like yeah. no.
0: <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I felt like that a lot at that level. Yeah, um, so be I really liked um Endgame Strategy by Sherashevsky, which is it was kind of the opposite mm. of that book, where it's like, you're, I'm not gonna teach you anything specifically, instead we're just going to go over a lot of end games. I'm going to talk about things like you don't need to rush um, and all these concepts. And and I found that to be really helpful, like around that 14, 1500 range as I was trying to sort through. Cause like, I would look at hundred end games, you must know. And I'd be like, okay, if I have this exact setup, I got it. But what do I do when right. we have five pawns and a King? I have no idea.
1: Yeah, exactly. Cause yeah, most of your end games aren't going to look like the exact, theoretical position that's in the book
0: (laughs) yeah i think the biggest breakthrough i had with end games was when i realized that rook pawn versus rook was often a draw and that was just that was
1: a huge one too (laughs) yeah
0: it's such a confidence booster on both sides like if i'm losing i don't panic i'm just like okay just Mm -hmm. play solid you're probably going to be able to hold this and that was just kind of a big moment
1: yes definitely
0: all right um so how much time a week do you think you're spending on chess these days?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I don't know if I want to do the math, but I most of the time I do like three hours a day uh, between it, which is mostly dedicated. It's like my own chess study. Sometimes I'll be doing other things like going to club or, you know, running my kids club mm-hmm. uh, or coaching or whatever. But yeah, I, I, for a while, for a while I was having like a very specific like coaching regimen. And I, I like to think of myself as my own coach because I, I haven't hired a coach yet. And so I'm like, okay, uh, we're going to do an hour of puzzle rush and we're going to do, you know, half an hour of end games, half an hour of like studying a great game. And then we'll we'll play games for an hour. Um, mm-hmm. That's so. become a little murky in the last couple of months because I, I don't always want to do a whole hour of puzzle rush. So sometimes <laughs> I'll, I'll just say like, well, more recently, my, my goal has just been, okay, I'm going to hit 27 in three minute puzzle rush three times mm-hmm. and then I'll be done and then I can play my games. And then after that, I'm going to do some over the board work. Uh, mm-hmm. so that, that's kind of how I've been spending my time more recently.
0: Gotcha. So it sounds like you do have a pretty structured approach. How did you build that structure? If you don't have a coach, did you kind of isolate like what works best for you or did you find strengths and weaknesses in your game and you're trying to fix them or augment them?
1: Yeah, I, it, it is a lot of like looking at like where I'm going wrong. Um, For a while I was, I had this document going that was called why I'm losing. And so every <laughs> game online that I lost, I would go back through and like pinpoint one or two moments where I was like, okay, this is where I lost the thread. Um, Man. And so after, you know, a couple weeks of doing that, I was able to kind of like see the patterns of like, okay, if I do get into an end game, I'm often losing in the end game. And so I need to be doing end game patterns or like you know, if if I'm losing in the middle game, it's often because of a tactic that I'm not seeing or like, you know, I could have reached a way better position if i just seen this like super simple tactic. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, drilling those tactics with Puzzle Rush has been like super helpful in my last couple of months of rating growth.
0: That's awesome. It's so good that you can be so introspective about your game and take notes like that. I think that's a really important part of growth. I do have a question for you, which is, it sounds like, Todd is available. Todd is a coach. I don't know. It just seems like a natural connection there. Um, what's, what's your reason for not having a coach? Is it just you had so much success on your own anyway that it doesn't feel entirely necessary?
1: Yeah. At this point, it, I, I have looked into getting a coach definitely, but it's mostly in moments where I have tilted and dropped, you know, 50 mm-hmm. points in a single day or in a single sitting. Uh, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so terrible. I really need somebody to help me with this. And then the next day I'm like, yeah, I think you'll be okay. So I, I've kind of put it off. Um, I, I may eventually, because I know it's like really helpful in like overall growth long term. And I'm sure there's going to be a point where it's like, okay, I can't probably do this myself anymore. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Todd, because when I do go to club, um, a lot of it turns into like a free coaching session, uh, mm-hmm. especially when I'm playing these higher rated players where it's like, We'll play a game and then we'll talk about the games after, or I'll be playing a game with somebody else, and the more like experienced players will come over even during the game or especially after the game and like we'll we'll go through the whole thing and we'll or maybe not the whole thing, but we'll we'll go through the last couple moves and like kind of see where we went wrong or like see the tactic that was missed or things like that. Yeah. Um so yeah, as the the game analysis is really helpful yeah. when you're working with like a higher rated player. So going to the weekly club is kind of in my coaching session, just with like a whole bunch of random different coaches.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So it sounds like you are able to talk with somebody higher rated than you about your game. And and that's kind of what I feel like is important about coaching as well. Just having a different eye on your game who can isolate things.
1: Yeah, because sometimes when you're just looking at it with the computer, especially if you're just, you know, playing an online game, it's like, okay why was this a blunder? It's not really telling me why. And and the reason why is like, you know, three or four moves in advance and you can't necessarily see that. Yeah. And sometimes I don't have the patience to sit and like click through the top moves until it finally tells me why.
0: <laughs> and, yeah. and sometimes
1: even then it's it's just like a positional difference that's going to help you throughout the rest of the game. And so, yeah, to, to to be able to talk to somebody and like actually have a human connection is like, yeah, definitely crucial. So yeah, I, I get the free coaching.
0: <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. i I I hear what you're saying, like with with the not really feeling like you need it yet. When I first played chess, you know, 20 years ago, uh, my stretch from like eleven hundred to seventeen hundred came quickly and easily. And I was just like, I don't need a coach. Like if I ever get stuck, I'll I'll get a coach. But I just Mm -hmm. didn't. And then this time around, it was like, all right, I'm ready. We're going to go from like sixteen hundred to twenty two hundred in a couple of years. And then it was like, you're actually going to go from sixteen hundred the 1600 in a year and I was like maybe <laughs> right. now I should get a coach I feel pretty stuck
1: <laughs> exactly yeah yeah I think uh probably once I do hit a plateau my my short-term goal at this point is to hit 2000 online uh before the two-year anniversary of my first chess game is up nice. um just to make it fun and like oh I hit two thousand in two years and maybe yeah. I'll make a video about it I have some video making experience so I've Kind of been prepping for that. That's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, cool. But yeah, I, th- I think once I ultimately do sort of hit a plateau is probably where I'll look into getting a coach.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Um, quick return back. You said you got to 1500 and things got a little bit harder there. Was that when you started delving deep into endgame work or did you do some other stuff to, to kind of break through that plateau?
1: Yeah, that was some end games. That was also uh, – I started – Doing just some more like books. Like, up until that point, I had mm-hmm. just been learning from like online videos. Uh, so, yeah, getting some like random opening books or like that was also around the time where the tactics were like just absolutely crucial and breaking through that plateau and being able to spot them quickly and being able to spot them correctly. And there were definitely a lot of times where I was, I decided to sack for mate and it didn't work. And so, <laughs> learning from those experiences too. Um, But even just like being able to see that those tactical ideas were there were like huge for me because before I don't really know if I understood like even the difference between like tactics and strategy. Um, Mm. Just be so being able to like do those puzzle rushes and that I think that was a huge part of breaking me out. Also when I finally did break past that plateau it was within like a week of coming back after I'd taken like a week-long break from chess. So I'd been doing chess like stuff like every single day like pretty extensively several hours um and then I had a work gig and I I had to take a break and I was also just like really frustrated with my lack of progress at that point Mm -hmm. and then I come came back fresh and I was just like within a week I think I I gained like 100 points and so I would definitely say like if anybody's struggling uh with uh, maybe not necessarily a plateau but like a, a big tilt A session, just take a break. It'll help. I've done it several times since, and it does really help.
0: That's awesome. I've been so terrified to take a break. My life is so chaotic that I feel like if I take a break, I will not be able to fit chess back in, and I'll be like, "How did I ever have time?"
1: Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, that that definitely is a fear. But I, the whole time I was on the break, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I like just want to be playing a game right now." And so it, it was a lot of just like biting up the bit to get back.
0: What books were you using? You said you you found a couple books that you like. Can you throw anything out for us that's really helped you?
1: Um, I read the book uh it's called Best Lessons of a Chess Coach. Hmm. Uh it's by Sunil Weeramantry and Ed Eusebi. And that I've read that one several times. It's actually Todd's book. I should probably give it back. I've had it for like 6 months. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, it's it just goes through like i think 10 or 12 games or something and the way it's written is like very approachable it's mm. as if it's like a coach talking to you and there it's like a dialogue essentially oh, wow. and so it's like going through different lines um like really big font it's got a lot a lot of like boards along the way and so you're not just trying to like play it out on your own board or like trying to visualize the position in your mind um mm. yeah super approachable the way it's written and the has just like really good concepts that it focuses on like how to get to an outpost and like why this outpost in this particular game was like really important. Um so that was a big one. I also just had some like random like opening books that I was going through. Um just like I, I decided I wanted to start playing through like some master games because I've heard that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um and, and it definitely has been uh maybe not to the extent of like that puzzle brush has been in, in my improvement, but yeah going through the master games is really good at for like seeing plans in certain positions, especially in openings that I play. Yeah.
0: Um
1: yeah that would be my one book recommendation
0: <laughs> okay um any grandmaster games or master games like is there is there a person you resonate with yet that you're like ooh, I like going through their games like we have a similar style or they have a style I, I want to emulate anyone jump out at you
1: oh that's a good question I kind of tend to jump there there's some really good um this sounds so basic which is so dumb, but like <laughs> good Magnus games, obviously, right? Yeah,
0: he's good. Um,
1: yeah, <laughs> they're great. <laughs> I also love like Tal's games because they're just like fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I kind of jump all over the place. I haven't particularly resonated with one, just one like player. <laughs> it's basically whoever plays my openings.
0: Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that's a, that's a great way to start looking at master games like that. It's just just putting those positions in your head yes i was doing that a lot when i was learning the carol con uh ali reza faruja plays the CarolCon, con but we play it oh, so yeah. differently. he plays all oh, like- right <laughs> and i'm like i don't think i can play like you play it so, <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: that's the problem is what you know those higher level players are like so just mm-hmm. casual about like sacking a pawn for some positional advantage and it's like yeah. i don't know if i'm willing to do that because i don't know if i can hold that <laughs> so yeah. that is kind of the the drawback if you're what going through somebody's games? Who's a little more has a tendency to do that
0: yeah whenever you see that line of like sacrificing a pawn for compensation you're like uh i'm not that good can you yeah. please explain <laughs> what you mean by compensation
1: right exactly what yeah. is this compensation you speak of
0: exactly i hear what you're saying but i don't exactly see it mm-hmm. okay well it sounds like you had a pretty amazing journey um brand new to chess all the way up to 1900 chess.com rapid and what like a year and a half
1: yeah pretty much wow, that's pretty a crazy journey
0: so by my calculation that's a like 1100 points that means in another year and a half you'll be 2900 so like
1: wow i can't wait for that <laughs> i know it's
0: gonna be amazing you'll be in like tournaments with stockfish
1: right um yeah Best player in my state then no yeah, I would imagine so.
0: <laughs> as a world champion you might also be the best player in North Dakota oh yeah <laughs> well Cameron what a great conversation thank you so much for joining us uh, I think you are probably many people's hero this has been such an amazing journey that you've had I'm so excited that you had such a great um, experience in your first club uh, meeting that brought you into the community, and then you became a member of the community. I, I really agree with you. I think that is such a great way to grow at this game because it gives you that motivation. You're like, I'm gonna see these people next week. I just want to be better than I was last week, right?
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. You Maybe know the my skill isn't you. better,
0: but my knowledge is better. I can have better conversations. I don't know. Plus, it's just fun hanging out with people who also play chess
1: for sure. Yeah, the social aspect of it is huge.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of lost sometimes with how solitary the studying can be and online play.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: All right, Cameron. Well, where can people reach you if they want to reach out to you? Do you have a YouTube channel? It sounds like you have video creating experience. Have you brought that to the chess world yet?
1: I haven't yet. I, yeah, I've had this idea in mind for quite a while. I've been like recording myself hitting each like 100-point milestone since 1500. Oh, um, and cool. then I eventually want to make like kind of a YouTube-style documentary about my journey, but I don't have a YouTube channel yet. So uh, mm. for now, people can find me on Twitter. I've got a super small account that I use to stalk ChessPunks, uh, which is at Cameron Heidi. Uh, and yeah, I'd love to hit like 50 followers. That'd be great. <laughs>
0: I have a feeling you will. And I have a feeling you're going to have a lot of people asking you for advice because uh, your journey has been a pretty remarkable one. Also, I can't wait to see this uh, journal entry documentary thing. This sounds, this sounds amazing. Uh, yeah, I hope I think hope it you could make happens. it now. And then you can make part one. And then part two could be like 1800 to Grandmaster. I don't know, whatever. Actually, <laughs> I guess I should ask you, do you have a ratings goal? Like you've had such fast progress do you have a goal or is your goal just kind of like get better and see where i go
1: yeah i mean as far as over the board i'm it is kind of just to see where i can go i'd love to hit the level of like the top 100 list of women in the us i think that's like a reasonable goal for me at this point um because the the lowest levels on or ratings on there are around like 1900 2000 level which i'm mm-hmm. sure in the next couple of years will continue to improve as people continue to get better um but yeah i think i think that's kind of my short-term goal i don't even know what short-term means at this point um (laughs) but i would love to get titled at a certain point i think that'd be great um again as far as how realistic that is we'll just kind of see
0: okay that sounds like a great attitude just trying to get better and see where it goes
1: yeah just continually improving how see how far i can go
0: nice well Thank you so much, Cameron. It's been such a fun uh, conversation. I I think you can get a lot of people who want to hear more from you about this journey. Um, So for those of you out here listening, I really hope this is that week where you break through your plateau, you smash through and you gain 100 points and it'll be amazing. And if it's not, don't worry. That's the norm. We all go through plateaus. It'll be all right. And I will see you all next week. Goodbye, everybody.